And welcome, guys, to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, it's me, Anthony Cardoso. So today's episode, guys, is going to be a phone interview with my friend and professional actress, Bernadette Sayer, a.k.a. Burn Dog. Now, she's made her living um, being a working actress, so she knows a lot of the ins and outs. She's had some trials and tribulations going through the dramatic arts field, but she's... um, Taking a lot of courses to better herself as an actress, to master her craft, and she's got some degrees that she's going to go over with us, talk about the ins and outs of it, and also she's going to delve into some religious stuff that she's experienced that made her a better person, that kept her going in the business. And I get it. When people hear that right away, sometimes walls get put up and flags get waved and whatnot. I guarantee you this: she's a good girl. She's a very... A wonderful person um, and her me- message is really positive so try to put down the walls if you got them up and just listen to what she's trying to say because she does emulate it and she's a very good person uh, she helped me out uh, free of charge with just some of the acting stuff when I was going to the school because I didn't know some of the ins and outs and uh, she's going to talk to us a little bit about her class that she's doing online where she runs some online coaching and she's going to give us some tips and that's pretty much it, guys. So just sit back, relax, enjoy the interview. Questions, comments, hit me up. And hope you guys like it. Here it is. Hello. Hey, Bernadette. How are you doing? Great. How about yourself? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Absolutely, I'm uh, super stoked. Yeah, I mean, um, there's so much I want to talk to you about. But uh, how was uh, how's Atlanta? First of all, um, how's the quarantine been over there? What's life like? Atlanta is doing fantastic. We um, we started opening up the economy, and the weather is beautiful today. And um, just the community and the area that I live in. People have been really healthy, so we've been super fortunate with that, and um, and everybody coming together as a community and praying for one another. We've been praying for our medical staff, for anybody on the front lines. We've been praying for politicians, for Donald Trump. Um, we've I've really noticed a huge just effort and just this beautiful union of. People uniting and just wanting to help one another. It's been it's been really cool. Okay, well that's good. It's very different from LA, but <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, no, so, we're doing good. I I don't know about you know every section of of Atlanta or Georgia, but uh, but at least you know with my friends and and the people I stay in contact with, we're. We're really healthy and we're doing well. So, what what was it like? Did they do a strict lockdown over there? Uh, did they close gyms? What was the situation and how has it changed? So, we did close down um, businesses that weren't essential, mm. but it's it, you know Georgia. I think has been one of those states that hasn't been maybe as restrictive as some of the others. Right. So, and I, and I work from home, so I haven't noticed, I've been very blessed that not too much in my life has changed 
Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, my work has actually skyrocketed and work because I work, I, um, I grade papers for a homeschool company. So we've had just a huge wave of more students signing up mm-hmm. just because of school closure and things like that. Right. But, um, and I have had some friends that they've had job loss, but what we'll do is we'll, you know, list them in prayer and then something else will pop up. So, I mean, we've just been really fortunate. Everybody here has just been staying very, very close to the Lord. And, and we're just very fortunate that we're, we're doing all right. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, um, yeah. I, I know that I was listening to this thing on uh, yesterday. They were saying that every state's going to be different, how they're going to undo yeah. the quarantine. And I know L.A. was obviously a hotbed. New York is going to be probably the strictest with their policies. You're going you're gonna to have to wear masks here and there. They're going to open things yeah. little by little. But, yeah, if you're in a place like uh, Georgia, it sounds like yeah. you're in a good spot during all this. So that's good. Well, and, like, a lot of um, – if you are on the river – along the river all of that stayed open the chattahoochee river so chattahoochee the chattahoochee river yeah it's a cool name right yeah and um and so the whole time that we've been under quarantine i've been around people out and about i mean we're keeping the social distance of course um and we're following the the recommended guidelines but yeah, I mean, we. It could be that Georgia's a warmer state, or where I'm at, it's warmer. But I haven't come in contact with anybody that's ill, and that's just such a blessing. Yeah, I mean, in New York, they're, uh, they're yeah. in New York. They're just they have to do public transportation, so that's a huge problem. That's why right. it spreads so much. And unfortunately, I can't even imagine because LA seems pretty affected. So. I mean, I think we're, wow. you're like, yeah, you're on the total opposite spectrum where like, you know, luckily it's more open. There's less people. There's uh, it wasn't hit as hard. So that's good. Um, I'm glad you're doing well out well, there. Well, what I was, yeah, but I guess what I meant was, is there's a decent amount of people that are out and about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's like the sun that's playing a big role because, you know, depending on what you're reading and looking yeah there's there's yeah that's what's so crazy about it it's it's really just like some people are affected some people aren't old people are right. old people aren't maybe it's the cold maybe right. it's like it's so up in the air it's it really like like you just said it's really just right. kind of depends on what you're reading and the different theories and stuff but right right but, and some doctors were advising that vitamin d vitamin b vitamin a is so essential so i've been you know staying on top of my vitamins getting good fresh air, things like that. And I feel like my health has been really good. And my friend's health has been really good. And we've stayed active. We've been working out, you know, just doing things like that. Yeah. All right. Well, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Glad to hear that. Let's talk about uh, how we met real quick. So um, we both. Yes. Met, yeah. <laughs> we bo- improv. We, improv. We both met at Upright Citizens Brigade in um downtown yeah, yeah and, uh what is it sunset avenue uh the school over there we were um classmates yep and yep. We... let me tell you listeners let me tell you something <laughs> about anthony <laughs> he was by far one of the funniest in class you have a gift for comedy my friend <laughs> i always felt super comfortable when i would get up on you know get up in front of the class with you if I had a scene with you, I was like, oh, Anthony's got it. He he's gonna he's gonna be a great scene partner. <laughs> he's gonna you know just 
give some of the best comebacks and remarks. And oh man, I loved it. We had a great time in that class. Yeah, we did. We had some. Uh, we had some good scenes together, and I think we both have a tendency to um, kind of go big. Which is good, yeah. <laughs> and it's fun to do. Yeah. It's fun to work with people who aren't afraid to uh, embarrass themselves a little bit and stuff like that. And that's right. Yeah, that's and this uh, is only this is only your second time doing improv, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's what blew me away because I've done improv for a few years now, and you just had this natural talent to it, oh. this natural ability. And, um, yeah, so what, can I just ask you, I'm going to flip it for a second. Sure, sure. What, what got you into comedy? Oh, well, well, first I want to say thank you for saying that. That's very sweet of you. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, you know, I was, uh, we've talked about this, uh, you know, we've hung out outside of class and, uh, my, my listeners kind of know that, uh, I'm a drug addict, um. And I kind of did that to mask a lot of pain and, and stuff like that. And I was talking to my therapist and we were trying to pinpoint when I was happy when I was sober. And that was pretty much in ninth grade when I was doing a drama class. So I was like, okay, maybe I should go back to something that, you know, was fun when I was sober. And, you know, I, I could do uh, still now as a hobby. So I started doing that and I just, it was the right thing for me. And, and I hopped into it and I sort of engulfed myself in it, I guess so. That kind of. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Is that your dog? Yeah. Sorry. They uh they get a little crazy. So if you hear like this. I love. Burst of uh. What is their names again? <laughs> uh, Rolo, Ripley, and Dee Dee, or Deandra, if you will. Yes. <laughs> I listen. Animals are amazing. I have a cat named Toluca Dickens. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I lived out in L.A. So, just for people listening, I've moved to Atlanta, but Anthony and I, we met in L.A. when I was living in Burbank. I had just recently graduated with an MFA in acting out in Virginia. So, I took the plunge. I moved to L.A., was there for about a year and a half. And um, anyway, so while I was there, I ended up getting adopting a cat, and we were trying to figure out his name. Um, me and my boyfriend at the time, and the street that he lived on was called Toluca, and we just loved that name, so we named him Toluca, and then his adoption name was Dickens, so he's Toluca Dickens, uh, and, we, and I love him. I love it. I love it. Animals are such a blessing. Yeah, don't you have horses, too? Sorry to go off topic, but I, don't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah, as a child, I grew up, so I grew up on a farm. Um, I'm actually the third oldest of seven siblings. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> I have five sisters and one brother. I'm the third oldest. And so I grew up riding horses my whole life since about the age of four. And yeah, so I, I have a deep love for animals. And I mean, we used to have, oh my gosh, I think at one point, 20 rabbits, dogs, peacocks. My dad went through a peacock phase. <laughs> <laughs> All of our dogs, <laughs> we've all been he there. That's awesome. Yeah, I always sort of felt like I was I was being untrue to my Native American roots because I didn't know how to ride a horse. Right. 
and I had this bit about trying to ride a horse and the horse bit me and it was just it was, it's this whole thing but <laughs> we'll talk about that we got it we got to get you up yeah I know I'd love to do it um so you started yeah. off so you started off in um West Virginia is that where you got Virginia, into acting Virginia. Virginia so how did that start how did the acting bug sort of get you but I was actually born in West Virginia, so you're not totally off. Ah, see. Um, <laughs> um, so I started in Virginia, and I got bit with the bug. Technically, when I was a young child, let's say like between 10 and 12-ish, mm-hmm. and I was watching a Disney movie. Um, I don't know. I forget which one, but, you know, like a musical. And I remember just thinking to myself, wow, this looks like so much fun. I want to do that. They just look like they're having an absolute blast. So fun was the first word I associated with acting. And I remember I ran to my mom and I said, mom, mom, how do I, how do I audition for Disney? How do I become a Disney kid? And, you know, very sweetly, but just honestly, she was like, honey, I don't know. You know, you're, you're going to have to figure that out when you're an adult. <laughs> but she's true. My parents, um, just I, I don't have many relatives in the arts community. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a ballerina cousin out in Vegas, and I have another cousin um, who now works as a crew member. But at the time, I just didn't have those resources. My mother's a nurse. My father's a lawyer. They didn't know. So anyway, so fast forward, I go to undergrad, and I have a theater undergrad, but something something was missing. I, I enjoyed the classes. I thought they were nice, but I really wanted to do film, mm. right? That's where my heart was, but I, I was from a small town. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to get my hands on it. Sometimes it feels like... The industry is a secret society. You know, it's like, how do you get in? Absolutely. How do you navigate it? You know, it's, it's, it's intense. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, so I switched my major to my minor. Or, excuse me, I switched my minor to my major, and I dropped theater. So I become a psychology um, undergrad. Fast forward to my senior year, second semester, and my psychologist counselor... Dr. Hurley had remembered that I had said my freshman year that I wanted to do film acting. And in my last semester, right before I'm graduating, he brings it up. I mean, how amazing is that? Right. Literally, counselor of the year. But he brings it up and he says, hey, uh, Bernadette, I remember that you said you wanted to do film acting. Well, for the first time ever, George Mason has opened up like a 401 um, screen acting class. You're a senior. You can take it as your final elective. Would you like to do it? And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes, I do want to do it. (laughs) So he signed me up. And I tell you, Anthony, it was about two weeks in. I'm calling my mom on the phone. I'm 20 at the time. And I'm calling my mom on the phone. And I'm saying, this is it. I'm an actor from this day forward. Like, I knew it. I always knew I wanted to do film acting. And I'm not going to go on to get my GRE because I was looking into becoming a um, uh, uh, counselor for... My focus was working with children or teenagers who came from trouble homes. Right. So 
so I was going to look into that. But I said, listen, I'm an actor from this day forward. And my mom and dad were like, okay, well, you know, we'll let her do her thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think secretly they were like, let her, you know, she's a year ahead in college anyways, graduating early. Let her do her thing. Figure, you know, she'll come back and go on with her PhD. Well, I never did. Mm-hmm. So, so I traveled a lot after I graduated. Um, you know, did some filmmaking camps for kids and things like that, and started dabbling and directing and you know trying to get on as many film sets as I could. And then I realized, you know, I'm really behind in the game because I'm 20 or 21 now. And I don't, I I could really feel that I didn't have that training under my belt, right? I didn't know how to properly audition. I was having a hard time getting on set uh, with real substance, with real roles Mm -hmm. and things like that. So a guy at the time that I was dating, he said, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you get a master's in acting? I was like, you can't get a master's in acting. He's like, you can get a master's in anything. (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, okay, so I researched it, and you can. You can get an MFA in acting, a Master of Fine Arts in acting. So I, within a few amount of months, go crazy, and I'm doing, like, acting coaches from, like, three different people. I'm trying to get all my monologues ready. I'm, uh, what year would this be? This would be, like, 2013. I'm in New York you know, during the Uda auditions, or not Uda, it's Uda, Uda. Uda auditions, I'm all over the place. Just, I even auditioned for Yale, Anthony. Hell yeah. <laughs> Very ambitious. I was not going to get in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yo, we have to try. Yeah, you got to try, right? That's the, that's the main <laughs> you thing. Gotta try. Yeah. You never know. Mm-hmm. I did make it through the second round of auditions for NYU, but anyways, so... So I end up going to Regent, Regent University, uh, for three years, and I get my MFA in acting. And while I'm out there, wait, sorry, where's um, where's Regent? Where's Regent at? So Regent University is in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. So and it's a small kind of a uh, small private Christian school, founded by Pat Robertson. Um, so yeah. So I end up going there, and that's really where. I had just a lot more film opportunities open up. Um, I got to be in some commercials. I got to do, you know, some smaller speaking roles and feature films. And I just, I ended up becoming SAG after eligible. So I really was on this nice roll of, you know, feeling successful just with my career. And is that, is that just, and, is, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I'm just curious before I yeah. forget. Um, so is that just from you going to the school and sort of immersing yourself and getting to know people that are in the business in that That's area? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome question. So it's everything, right? Because I had classmates that were frustrated that they weren't getting opportunities, but they also didn't put in the work. Right. You have to put in the work. You have to network. You have to go to events. You you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to fail in the beginning. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, yeah, you have to be willing to fail. You also, in the beginning, have to be willing to say yes to things that you might feel is beneath you, in a sense, like, you know, be an extra with no lines on a student film that's 
made crafty at the end of the day. You know, it doesn't look great, but it goes up in a 48-hour film festival competition, whatever. But you know what? On that film set, you met someone that loved you, spoke to you, and then ends up writing a script, has you in mind, you get the lead. That's what happened to me all the time. And you're also building your right? resume, too, right? You're getting, um, building I, I was your in resume. this. And, I, yeah, you're building your resume. I mean, I've done over a hundred projects collectively between music videos, student film, feature, independent, commercial, industrial, you know, what have you. And let me tell you, not all of them look that great. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't use the footage, but the ones that I can use the footage for look great. You're honing your skills and, um, yeah, you're just getting that necessary experience. So it really comes down to how much are you, how much do you want it and why? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you have a really good reason. You said comedy brings you joy, mm-hmm. it makes you happy, right? Right, absolutely. So, so acting was my safe place, it was fun for me until it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the next part of the story. Right. Well, real quick, before we move on, before we move yeah. on, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting how you. Uh, well, first, I want to say uh, the acting resume was something that we, uh, you helped me work on. Remember, we met at that Starbucks, and, yeah. and you were kind of, oh, yeah. yeah, you were kind of going over different things with me, and I was like, I've never really done acting, and then all of a sudden, I started to realize I was like, oh wait, I was on this show, you know, through fighting and, and doing different things. I was like, oh wait, I was on that show. I worked on this. I guess I did that. And I was like, oh wait, I do have things I could write down, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a big help. So I just wanted to, to you know, say thank you oh, for Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, so thank you for helping me on that. Yeah. And also something I thought, Absolutely. something I thought that was very interesting was um, how you said that you associated acting with fun, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was just, have you ever seen Third Rock from the Sun by any chance? No. Okay, well, it's a show. It's um, John Lithgow. He's a, a, a really famous actor. Um, he's a he's a traditional um, theater actor, but he does these the show where they're aliens and they're disguised as um, humans. So they have to like figure out people and you know understand how to communicate with them and talk to them and go through emotions. And just there's every episode. You know, they're they're all of a sudden they're trying to be Italian and they're trying to be um, right. You know, lo- and it's just it seems like so much fun. And I was like, that would be a fun thing to be involved with. It seems like you know. So I don't know. It's just just something that stuck. Oh, a- oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's. Oh yeah, and, and I- mm-hmm. yeah, and that like, and this is where my psychology undergrad didn't go to waste either. I was able to marry it with acting, and I really encourage people too. You know, a lot of times you think you have to go to school or, or, you know, you had to have a theater degree. That's what I was told. Listen, I got into an MFA acting program with a psychology undergrad. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really want something, if you really love it, and it's a gift that you've been, you know, that you're striving for and that you've been given, I, man, go for it. Absolutely. I think it'll, and, and it'll like, bring you so much joy. And how you're saying, I think, uh, you know, it's how hungry, how much do you want it? I mean, that applies to everything in life, right? Um, absolutely yeah and especially with acting it's so easy to get discouraged because um you know they do say oh you're, you're too tall you look too ethnic you're sometimes they are very yeah. blunt but it's not you can't take it personally yeah. it's just more of what they're looking for and they might already have an idea yeah. in their head of what they want and or they have somebody that they already casted 
And then you come in like, oh, and then like, well, we're just looking at other people, but we already actually have our person or we know what we're looking for already. That sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I liked how you... And that... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was going to say, and also how you said that you had a teacher that sort of, uh, you know, threw some things out to you and, uh, you know, just said, hey... Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, your guidance counselor. My guidance counselor? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's so important because... I remember in eighth grade, my drama teacher, Mr. Reck, was, um, you know, I was always in trouble. I was always suspended. I was always kicked out of class. She never kicked me out. She was always very supportive. And she's like, you have a natural talent for this. You need to hone this. And then when I was a, um, in ninth grade, I was a little, little, little ass, you know. So my teacher hated me. My drama teacher hated me. But he knew I was good. So one day he's like, look, we got off on the wrong foot. Like, I want us to be cool because I think you got talent. I'm a good teacher. You, I got something to offer you. And, I was, and he was like the first person that, that checked me like as a man. You know, I was like, what's your deal? And I was like, oh, shit. You know, my bad, dude. And I was like, sorry. I just my, – my instinct is to be an asshole to people. You know, but obviously it's from, for other reasons. And he was like – after that, from that moment on, I looked up to him and he sort of helped me with different things. And it's just those little reaffirming words sometimes that make all the difference. You know, just, hey, you got talent or, hey, you're doing good or what about this? Don't you want to try that? That sort of thing, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I love that you brought this up because the words we say to others can cause such an effect on a person's life. I remember my guidance counselor, I'm about to turn 29, and that was right before I was about to turn 21. And that moment, it has made such an impact on my life. That he remembered something I said two, two or three years prior, right? right? Mm-hmm. And also what we say to others in a hurtful way can make such an impact. We have to be so careful, and this goes into just, you know, just bullying or, or just that teacher hurt, you know, hurting your feelings. But then you had that other teacher who never kicked you out. Right. right, and that made I'm guessing a huge impact on you. Oh, 100%. And uh, like you said, 100%. too, that's why I always ask people. Like, usually when I have somebody on the podcast, I'll ask them, you know, what was your first impression of me, or do you have a memory of me specifically? Because I always am curious, you know, because sometimes it's funny the things that we remember about people. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. that guy, you know, he called me a dick. Like, maybe he was joking, maybe he wasn't, but it burned into your memory. And it might be something that that person yeah. doesn't even remember. So I just get, I'm just, I'm often um, intrigued by stuff like that. Like, oh, what was, you know, some words that helped you? And um, yeah, so it's just something I like to, to talk about. Well, on. I I had a really positive experience with you. And I could tell you were really talented and, and you just radiated. I love that you radiated confidence and joy, <laughs> which is why you do comedy, which is why you do comedy, right? You right. radiate how it makes you feel. So I was like, oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, because we, um, yeah. we, we had a few girls in the class that were uh, a little bit judgmental and they had a little mean girls club in drama, which yeah. is, is kind of unheard of, but it's pretty funny when you think about it, like the bad girls of the drama club, you know? <laughs> right, and, it's, and the thing is, is, it comes, okay, so I'm going to share a quick story, okay? Sure. And this has happened to me all throughout my life. One of the girls was really, I I don't want to say, she wasn't like super mean to me, but I could tell when I would do a scene with her, she was, you know, a little, just, just not willing to give and take during the improv scene. 
And, um, you know, and that hurts both of us because I had a fantastic improv teacher. His name is Brad McMurrin over at Push Comedy Theater. Holla! Holla! <laughs> in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk. <laughs> Norfolk. And he was my first improv teacher. And one of his top rules were always make your scene partner look good. Right. Always make your scene partner look good. Make it about them. It's not about you. If you make them look good, and if they make you look good, done. Done. So anyways, so, I, you know, I could feel wasn't a lot of, like, give and take and just seemed to have an attitude towards me. So anyways, one time we're standing in line, and she just comes up to me and says, Bernadette, I have to show you a picture. Uh, of this girl that you look like, that you remind me of. And granted, her and I, we really hadn't exchanged words. Like, we hadn't spoken in class. We were not, you know, we'd only really done scenes together. Mm-hmm. And I stopped her and I said, let me ask you something. Do you like this person or do you dislike this person? And she says, I cannot stand this girl. I, I can't stand her. She's mean. She's this. She's that. And you look like her. And we had this very authentic, real moment where I think it jostled her that I stopped her and said, do you like this girl or not like this girl? So basically what I was doing was I was challenging her that she was judging me based on somebody else, based on some, it wasn't me. I looked like her. Yeah. But I wasn't that girl, right? So we have to be so careful when we treat somebody a certain way, you know, if that teacher was treating you a certain way because, you know, Anthony reminds me of, you said it was your drama teacher? Yeah, yeah. Anthony reminds me of, I've been a teacher for a long time. I can stick them in a category. But, you know, when you stick people in a category, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because after that day, her and I, we could smile at each other. We were able to do scenes together. You know, how great is that? Well, it's and that's cra- an opportunity it's, we might have missed out on. Well, it's crazy because you're like, I, I knew right off the bat because I, I started, I said something to you um, and, uh, you know, you're just like a really nice Christian girl. It's like super sweet. And then, you know, for people to be mean to someone like that, it's like, what the fuck is your deal? <laughs> Who beat you as a child? Like, what's well, going on? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. It, it comes from a deep place of hurt. Right, exactly. That's what I was... She yeah. had mm-hmm. been wronged. She had been wronged by somebody who looked similar to me. Yeah, that's... And I probably, subconsciously, she was afraid I would do the same thing. But I didn't, and we didn't, and it was great. So, so kind of going back to, and then acting was no longer fun. So mm-hmm. I want to challenge the viewers listening what happens when you do the one thing you love and you are successful and you feel like you're on top of the world, but, but all of a sudden, that thing that brought you so much joy, so much compa- um, passion, it's brought you so much fun, is no longer fun. What do you do? Oh, are you asking me or are you are talking? <laughs> is that a question for everybody or can I chime in? <laughs> yeah, chime in, please. It was just a moment for people to let it sink in. What do you do with the one thing that you've been chasing after for years? Yeah. And it's now officially no longer fun. Yeah, for me, I try to either, um, 
I try to uh, take a break from it in some way or I try to uh, approach it at a different angle. Like if it's training, say, for example, and, uh, you know, this, uh, it's driving me crazy. I'll go train with somebody else I used to or I'll go to a park and work out or I'll mix my workouts up so I'm not so uh, saturated. But is that, the, is that kind of answer or what, what were you thinking? What's going on over there? Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, having identity in yourself. So something that happened to me when I did my MFA and acting program is I really lost a lot of who I was as a person, right? I was eat, sleeping, and breathing 24-7, Monday through Sunday, acting. I was an actress. Right. That is what Benedette Sayre was. <laughs> you know? and, 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 that is, and that is how those master programs are, you know, set up. They're, they're rigorous, and they're, they're difficult for a reason. And, you know, yes, they are very challenging. But, you know... You've got, when you're in this industry, you've got to plant your feet in something. You've got to to plant your roots, right? right? And Mm -hmm. stand firm and have community and have family, whatever definition of family that is. Maybe your best friend is who you consider your family. Maybe your aunt, your uncle, your mom, dad, whoever, brother, sister, it doesn't matter. Have family, have community, have your friends. And then I'm going to tell you, so I went through... So after I graduated, Anthony, I really went through a phase where I wanted to throw in the towel and I never wanted to do acting again. I was ready to call it quits. So we were talking about all the many projects I had been on and sometimes you have to do the jobs you don't want to do and just to get to the next step. The one thing I will say, you want to start weeding out for sure. There's nothing wrong with taking the extra job where you don't have a speaking role and humbling yourself, starting at the bottom, now we're here. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But do not, do not keep working with people or stay in projects that are going to diminish your health, your, your mentality, your emotions, your spirituality. Say no to those projects. You do want to get to a point in your career, and I'm really speaking to my more seasoned actors right now, they know what I'm talking about, where there's a point in your career where you have to start making tough decisions because you're, you're, you're going to start losing yourself. Right. Okay? Right. You're going to start losing yourself. The minute you start giving up your integrity, what you stand for, and your values, you will just get swept away and you'll regret it. Start standing strong. Don't just do the project because you will make money or because it will give you a lead role. I really challenge people to know what they stand for because at the end of the day, you know, that's that's what's really going to matter more. So I have been on some projects where, I mean... You know, bullying takes place, all sorts of other things, you know, messy sets where people people aren't being properly taken care of in all plethora of ways. And you just don't want to get yourself in that spot is what I'm trying to say. You want to be grounded enough to say, A, I know what to do when other people aren't going to take care of me. You got to research, 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 research. Um, you know, pray about it, 
pray about before you maybe take on a certain script because the more that you bend and say, well, you normally wouldn't find me doing this kind of role, but, you know, the more excuses you make, the more that line gets broken, broken, thinner, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't necessarily have a role that broke me. It was more of because as an actor, you're constantly having to work with new people all the time. It's how do you navigate those different personalities? Um, what do you do when certain obstacles come up? So, and I would say one of the places to start, and this is where my story comes in, is when I was just exhausted and just like, I don't know if I can do acting anymore. It's just not fun for me anymore. You know, kind of what Anthony and I are talking about. There's just a lot of cattiness. There's a lot of competitiveness. Other things, you know, we had the hashtag Me Too movement that just exploded the internet. I mean, there's so many obstacles as men and women that we have to navigate when we're in just the arts community. One of the main thing that's been my answer is I've grounded myself in Christ. Mm-hmm. Is I've grounded myself in God and I have full faith that he protects me. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> can I kind of segue into that story a bit? Yeah, let me uh, let me just say this real quick. Yeah. Um, so, because um, it, uh, I, you know, I don't want to sound um, definitely not uh, coming off offensive or anything like that. Too, I just want to say, you know, when you start talking about um, religiousness, sometimes people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" But I just want to say that. Um, sure. You know, anytime you're in anything, it's always important to have you know, positive beliefs, uh, especially with, you know, like for me, you know, being a drug addict, they always talk about in the program, a higher power. Now that higher power could be, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, your God, your rock, the universe, anything. So whatever it is, but you have to succumb to a higher power and understand that there's something like above you that you could, um, you know, look towards and stuff like that. So, I, I don't I don't want anyone to be like, whoa, what's going on here? It's it's what she said. <laughs> what, what Bernadette is is saying is that she used, um, you know, this is something that were, was her grappling tools to to get her to, to the next spot. And I think it's so important how you're talking about, you know, because people in general can be very venomous, and I find a hard time right now because you know, growing up the way I did, I surrounded myself by people that, you know, we had a lot in common when I was a drug addict. And coming out of that, it's mm. it's sort of I, I these are still my friends, and this is still, and I don't want to turn my back. I'm going to be that guy that does this and does that. But people have a tendency to not like who you are now. And I'm like, this is the real me. You know, the real me is is uh, when I'm sober is is funny, and he does this, but he's also serious. He's driven. He could be a dick sometimes, but you know, you can't blame that on me not being fucked up all the time. And I think if for you, especially being in acting, where it's ten times bumped up, right? Because People, are, mm-hmm. you have to be around different people that are trying to achieve a goal, and like you said, it's everything's ramped up. People are, want this job and they want that job. And they, they'll do whatever they can to get it, and they'll you know tear this person down or shit on this person. And so I'm just uh, trying to reiterate from a different yep. angle of where you're coming from because I to- and, I totally get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's great. And and people come from different backgrounds and different stories. And right. you know, it's like what we were talking about a deep place of pain. If somebody's bullying you or, or does an assault against you or, um, you know, lies to you um, in order to get the gain, to get the audition or 
what have you, or to manipulate you or control you or to make your acting, you know, maybe it's a director or producer or a casting director or what, what have you, or co-star or something like that, you, you know, remember that it does come, usually it comes from a deep place of pain. It doesn't make it right that people act wrongly against you. But if we can remember that they're in pain too, that led them to their place, to this place in their life where they're acting a certain way. And then what is one of the ways to combat that? And I found for myself, you know, planting myself in my roots, I was born and raised Catholic, um, prayer, having a close relationship with Jesus, um, having good friends, good community, um, having self-worth and dignity, not saying yes to every project. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted to collaborate with Anthony because, like I said, Anthony radiated. Um, I got good vibes. Good vibes. That's what I'm going <laughs> I for. I got good vibes. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony radiated. He radiated just confidence and joy. And, and I think he's funny. And, you know, he seems like a good guy to me. And, and that was good. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's going with your gut, going with your instinct, knowing how to say yes and no, and those things are so vital. Mm-hmm. Um, but right, so it's finding that. It's finding, find that plan. I mean, I've, I've got so many stories. We can... <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. So let's let's talk about the one that you said that kind of pulled you back into getting grounded again. So what where, where was the... Right. Give me the... So... So I'm in LA and I'm getting ready to pack up and y'all, I'm just at a place where it's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm crying my little way across the U.S. all the way to Atlanta. <laughs> I'm listening to Oprah Winfrey, uh, Super Soul podcast. They're fantastic, you guys. Y'all check them out. <laughs> Um, you know, just things like that, just trying to get my spirits up because, you know, what point am I at? Am I like six, seven, eight years into it at that point? Something like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's rough. Right. Also, keep in mind, I came from Virginia where I was one of the top docs. Uh-huh. I was a leading lady. I was killing it in the Virginia market. I was killing it. And then I move out to LA and for a year and a half, it's like nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I could bear, I couldn't even, I could not, kid you not, I could not, for the life of me, get on projects as an extra because there were just so many. So if you're from LA and you're listening, listen, I feel you. I was right there with you. Like, it is so rough. Anyway, so I moved to Atlanta and just a part of it is just finding the fun again. Right? I've lost the fun. Um, acting is just hard in many, many ways. Also, environment, circumstances. I mean, it's rough. So I come to Atlanta, and a part of my journey is I meet a group of friends, and I end up going to the North Georgia Revival. And it's just this wonderful, wonderful place where anybody of any faith, non-believer, believer can show up. And, um, and you go in and you do praise and worship and somebody gets up and, uh, gives a sermon or speech 
they'll have a speaker and or pastor get up and they'll have time where they pray over you and then they'll also have time where if you would like to be baptized you can or you can do a renewal of vows of your baptism um yeah so anyway so i started going and i remembered when i went i was like whoa this reminds me of when i was 16 years old and i went to this conference called the franciscan university um up in Sumville, Ohio, it's called the Charismatic Catholic Conference, and I used to go to these in high school. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard the term, Anthony, being slayed in the spirit or speaking in tongues? Have you ever heard of that before? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Are you, are you, are, have you, did you grow up in, in a church? Uh, yeah, I grew up um, uh, in Christian, or actually, yeah, I guess uh, multiple, because my pops was Catholic. My mom was Christian, so oh. I did a lot of uh, a little bit of both. I think when I was younger. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Okay, so so when I was uh, in high school, I would go to these Catholic charismatic conferences, and I would see people, you know, uh, falling down and, and shaking, or you know, speaking in tongues, and you're like, "Whoa, what is that?" But that's awesome. Um, and then I remember, you know, I, I, I loved the praise and worship. I was having a good time and really feeling connected to God, but I remember I was always like, I can't, I want to touch, you know, I want to, I want to touch God, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not falling on the ground <laughs> right. like other people, but, uh-huh. but, but okay, I'm having a good time. I can feel it. I'm, I got to be a young apostle my senior year and that was fantastic. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is still good. Well, anyway, so let's fast forward. I'm 28 and I'm in Atlanta and I walk into the North Georgia Revival and I'm like, whoa, I know this. I remember this from high school. This is where God is. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously God is everywhere, but I just mean I really connected to the praise and worship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, yes, that charismatic praise and worship. Fantastic. So I started going for a few weeks, and my friends and people there were like, you should get in the water. And I said, well, with my Catholic background, I've already been baptized, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to get baptized again. One baptism is enough. Uh-huh. And they're like, okay, we still suggest you should get in the water. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. So I would still go. And I remember one of my friends, one of the weekends that we go, because it was a Sunday night, he went and he had a girl with him. He had just met and she's crying and they're both going to get in the water. And I remember I looked at my friend, Kenneth, and I was like, wow, now that is Christianity. Because I was at a point in my life where I had been failed by, I felt like I had been failed by some Christians, mm-hmm. in a sense, like they weren't living a Christ-like life, mm-hmm. and I'd been bullied by them. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I thought, wow, that, that's the true definition of Christian leadership. He doesn't need to get into the water, but he is in support of his friend. Right. So she obviously needs this moment. And it was in that moment, and he's, uh, he's non-denominational or Protestant, um, and it was in that moment that I was like, I think I'm going to get in the water. Right. Right? I'm going to get in the water. But it was under my, my terms, right? So I told my friends, I said, I'm getting in the water. Not because I think I'm erasing my first baptism, 
because I'm very close to my godparents. But for me, it was a renewal of vows, mm-hmm. and it was a renewal of confirmation vows. Right. So I end up going one weekend by myself. I get in the water, and I renounce and denounce Satan. I don't know. Do you believe in uh, generational curses? Uh, not specifically. If I did, I'd uh, yeah, I would have drove myself crazy. So <laughs> no, not really. But go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, there's a, in psychology, there's a pattern of, you know, certain things that will plague a family line. So right. let's take, even if we take, let's take God out of it for a second and let's just look at it Trauma. Uh, from, a, from a psychology perspective, right? Yeah. That there are certain things in family trees or lines that you'll just see the patterns just over and over and over again with generations. So that's what we call, you know, like, let's say alcoholism or drug addiction or depression or anxiety or, you know, what, or, or um, well, you know, sexual abuse. Yeah, you know, a lot like of, that, yeah, right? they say that, they say that um, if you're, you're traumatized, if your mother's traumatized yeah. while you're in the womb, that you're going to be born with trauma. So there's all, so and I get, to totally get what you're saying. They say that, um, you know, it's, yeah. pa- it's passed down. Traumas are passed down generationally. So I totally, I, yeah. I totally know what you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I read this really cool book called um, It Didn't Start With You. Mm -hmm. Listeners want to read that book. It didn't start with you. It touches on what Anthony just said about when you're in the womb, if your mother is really, you know, just under a lot of stress or trauma that she's still carrying and hasn't resolved in her body. And in acting, we talk about that where you have to like do a release and you have to let it resolve. Anyways, it's just that has to do with um, movement. But yeah, if you read the book, it didn't start with you. It it, it starts touching on uh, that idea of right of family curses. So right. mm-hmm. generational curses, right? So how do we stop that, right? So anyway, so and that and if there's listeners with domestic violence, listen, you can cut those things off too if that's in your family line. But anyway, so so I get in the water and um and I get you know dumped under. And they call it a born-again baptism. For me, it was a renewal of vows as a Catholic. And and it was really just me saying I renounce and denounce Satan for my entire family line. Mm-hmm. Just It ends with me, right? We're done. Right. And I get in and um, I get, he, the pastor says some very wonderful things to me. And then I go in the water. And I remember I didn't want to plan anything whatever happens happens and I remember my hands just kind of organically going whoa and they both go up when I come up <laughs> nothing over you know nothing too dramatic I had seen some people get in there and they were like full-blown shaking and all sorts of stuff <laughs> yeah and I remember just thinking like oh isn't that hard mm-hmm. and that's again if you're listening that's a renewal of baptismal and confirmation vows mm-hmm. okay if you're a Catholic that's what I was doing but anyway so a few weeks later I end up going back and there's a time during the prayer session where, or, or during the whole thing, where, where you're being prayed over, right? You can go to the front of the stage right. and ask to be prayed over while people are getting in line to get baptized. And I had gone to the front and said, was standing there, one of my other friends was with me, and he went to the back to get in line to get in the water. And I'm standing there in front of the stage, in front of the band, Right, it's a big auditorium, big building type setting. And I'm at the front and this grown adult 
man falls into my arms mm-hmm. and I catch him and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I catch him and I gently lay him down on the ground. And when I lay him down, Anthony, I immediately am like, whoa, I am touching God. Mm-hmm. I could literally feel a radiation is how I'm going to describe it. You know, think of it like when we talk about energy coming out of somebody. Transference. It was literally like a couple inches coming off of this man's body. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, I, I, I feel God. I just knew instantaneously what that was. So I run to the back. I go find my friend behind stage. And I'm like, hey, Steven, hey, just wanted to see which side you're coming out on. Cool, the right side. By the way, man, just fell in my arms. So God. Woo! <laughs> I just like I'm just freaking out. And and he's like, you know, he's used to this and he's smiling really sweetly. He's like, Well, go get more, Bernadette. So I run back out or, you know, whatever. I come back out. Not like I'm not like galloping. Right. <laughs> but I come back out to the first section. And I go up to the to the guy there, and I said, "Hey, would you um, to the same man who had prayed over the adult man who I had caught?" And I said, "Would you pray? Would you pray for me?" And he looks at me and he says, um, "He goes, well, you know, we would rather, um, you know, my wife can pray for you, right? Female to female, male to male, kind of idea." And I look at his wife. And I look back at him and I say, well, I'm sure your wife is really great at, you know, very beautiful at praying, but I would really love it if you would pray for me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, what would you like me to pray for? And I said, whatever God wants you to say to me. And he goes, okay. So he puts his hands up over my head. Um, I don't know if he touched me or not, but he puts his hands up and I just put my hands in, you know, a prayerful position and I close my eyes and he starts praying and I cannot, Anthony, I cannot remember exactly what the man said. Mm-hmm. I just remember two things. I don't remember everything he says. In my left ear, he said, you are intelligent. And then in my... Sorry, sorry. What's... Degree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Go ahead. The dog's degree. And then in my in my right ear, he said, you are here being obedient to Christ. And in that moment, my body involuntarily started to sway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Now, a week or so prior, I had had that happen with somebody else praying over me. But the thing is, is when I was being prayed over, I was really resistant because I didn't want to look silly or dumb or stupid. And I remember when the person was praying over me, I kind of felt my body sway involuntarily, but I resisted and I clamped up and I was like, no, I'm not going to fall on the ground and look like a weirdo in front of all my friends. And, you know, and then you did with the most itch. <laughs> right. Or I'm like, or I'm like be, well, so here's the thing, or be the person with, you know, just the issues or something like that. I was like, no. So I resisted, right? We, you, the thing is, is you say yes to Christ. Or you say no to Christ. The choice is yours. Mm-hmm. So as I'm standing there, 
I feel my body involuntarily sway. And it was a moment where none of my friends were around. It was more intimate. My one friend that was there with me that Sunday, he was behind, you know, he was in another area of the building. Mm -hmm. So it was also set up where it worked for my personality to where I could be vulnerable with just me and Christ and strangers that I didn't really care if they saw me do who knows what. Right. So anyway, so my body starts swaying and, and I immediately grab my eyes are so close, but I grabbed the man's forearms to steady myself. And he just very authoritatively says, let go, right? Let go. And I'm just like, okay. And I let go of his arms and I don't remember if somebody caught me. I don't remember if somebody touched me. I just remember I just, I I made it to the ground very gently, like as if being carried on a cloud and I'm on the ground and I'm fully, this is important. I'm fully comprehensive. Like I am not. I'm not, you know, I'm not under some weird restraint or weird spell or something like that. Like, I'm fully, I was fully in control, Mm -hmm. right? And that's important. This isn't like some weird hypnotism type game. Like, I was fully aware. I was at the North Georgia Revival. I knew what room I was in. I knew people were around me, and I knew I had just fallen backwards slayed in the spirit right Mm -hmm. so I'm on the ground my knees up and I'm laying there and my mind is still racing a bit and I'm thinking I don't want to miss my friend coming out and you know da 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 and I just had this moment where I said to myself Bernadette God is not going to let you miss your friend coming out have this moment with him just say yes just surrender right Mm -hmm. so I said, okay, I'm going to have this moment with God. And the minute I relaxed and said, yes, my hands went up in an arrow over my forehead and I prayed over myself and I prayed the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, I believe the Act of Contrition, I believe the St. Michael Prayer. And then I prayed over a project that I'm working on and that was it. And I could feel God from head to toe, you know, like a spiritual energy if you want to find a way to you know kind of help you with the association right like a warm a warm I wouldn't say a glow but you know right you know know it's God Mm -hmm. just you know you know it's a spirit you know it's the Holy Spirit and um so the minute I was done I mean it was very short it wasn't a long thing the minute I was done praying over that project I let go of my hands and then all of a sudden and I just that right up and I remember when I used to see people sit up really quickly I'd be like you're a faker (laughs) you're a faker nobody gets up that quickly like what is you know come on like you just had a moment with God and you just like boom you're up and at him but I mean that's really is how it happened like I immediately boop sat right up and then a hand was there to help me stand up and I stood up and you know walked my way over to the baptismal pool and waited for my friend but so ever since then, I guess what I'm trying to say is to just bring us all full circle, right? Is I've had a lot of ups and downs in my acting career. 
Um, and I had always had the intention to have God a part of it with me, but I, but what does that really mean? What does that really mean when you're a scene partner in improv with God? You know, it's kind of a fun way to look at it. Like, how am I improving my way through life with Jesus Christ as my scene partner, as the perfect scene partner, right? So now that I've really, truly, truly comprehended what it means to have him just be a part of my artistic, um, really at the front of just my artistic career, I don't just have fun. I have like, it's like ecstasy. And that's how a lot of people describe it. It's, it's the best kind of happiness with love and joy and hope and compassion and empathy and just getting rid of fear, having confidence, just all of it. Right. It's better than fun. It's better than fun. It's, 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 it's indescribable, it feels like. So, so you're saying just, you know, by, um, you know, so you sort of refound your passion for acting by, you know, touching back on your roots with um, your religious background sort of thing. And, and awakening it. Right. So now... Right, because yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've been raised a Catholic my whole life, but the Holy Spirit, and, you know, people can go online, they can research it, it's all there... When you awaken your faith with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just a whole, it, it's just the perfect way, the, the closest to perfection we can get on earth to living is what I'm going to say, because you're not going to get rid of suffering, you're not going to get rid of every single hardship, right? This doesn't make me a god, this doesn't make me like I'm never going to you know, not get injured or maybe not suffer from an illness or things like that. Like those are things that every human has to go through. Right. Right. But it's just, you just have such a peace of mind. Like literally during this whole coronavirus um, pandemic, I've had such a peace, Anthony. And you know why? Because when it first started, I really just had this sense of I'm going to be okay. And that has helped me so much. Like, if anything, my health has gone up. Um, I just feel so at peace, and and that way I'm also able to help my neighbor better. I'm able to really pray for those who are ill. I'm, You know, it starts with you. If you get healthy, if every human on the planet only took care of themselves, wow, what a world we could be in, right? And then once you take care of yourself, then you'll be shocked at how many people you can help. But start with that. Take care of yourself first. Right. And then, um, you know, whether it's through religion in your case or, you know, therapy in mine or, you know, whatever oh, the I case is. Oh, I think therapy is fantastic. Right. Yeah. And whatever it is, I get your message. It sounds, um, I, don't, I, don't want it to, I don't want it to lose its meaning is what I'm trying to get to is, you know, basically what you're saying is, you know, you had this experience, you, you touch base with who you were and that's brought you to a place where you're, yeah. you know, and that's, I, I talk about all the time on the podcast. That's sort of what I did with, um, you know, my drug addiction and I got that under control and I was able to do this and now I'm working on this and I got to help my, you know, get my brother involved. He wants to get into acting. So I'm able to, to help other people into to things now that I'm solid. And that's what you're saying. So this is just your story. And um, 
I'm just trying to put it yeah, in, put right, in those right, terms. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Figure, right, just keep going. And and I'll say this, like, if, if Christ is the answer, you'll know. Right, yeah. So you'll that's, know. yeah, yeah. If, if it is the answer, you'll know. So. You'll know. So, and this is Bernadette Sarah's story. Right. And Anthony has his, and every viewer listening, every, yes, every person listening. <laughs> Right, so viewer, I don't know if they can see our faces. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got you. We get, we get what you're saying. But every person listening has their own, you know, unique POV point of view, and their pains and their trials. And yeah, this is mine. And if my story in any way blesses you and helps you on your journey, um, I want to share it. Absolutely, and I, I, that's why I, I keep I keep chiming in because. Um, you know, you have a very uh, pure way of looking at things, and you're you're a very sweet yeah. person, and so I'm just trying to put it in words for um, hooligans and asses like myself. So that's why I'm not, <laughs> I, you, I know what you're saying, and you know, to someone of uh, you know th- that you're friends with, they're gonna know exactly what you're saying. For me, I'm just trying to say it in a way that my my friends and the you know, because I'm yeah. a very uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, but no, I love it. I um, love it. I, I do want to I do want to ask you a few questions. Uh, just yeah. just in the general acting field. So how do we, if say, for example, you know, uh, I'm listening and I say, you know, I want to get into acting. What's the first step yeah. someone's supposed to do? What, 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 what's your advice? Whew. Like, how do you start? Do you, well, do you call an agency? Do you look up in the ad? Like, what do you do? How do you, how do you start off? Yeah, there's so, um, so if you're from a small town, I would say look into your larger cities that are close to you, right? Because mm-hmm. those are going to have the resources. So I lived fairly close to Washington, D.C., and if I had known it back then, there's tons of resources in that area alone. So something you could do is, and this is just a fun idea, but I noticed a lot of people um, – would do this even with Regent University, even if you're not a student. Students at universities constantly have to do projects, right? Just just to graduate. And I would suggest get involved with the MSA projects, the Master of Fine Arts. So what you could do is you could call up a university and literally, you know, go, go on the website, find the theater department, find the film department, contact whoever, whatever teacher is in charge of that, whatever professor is in charge of that department, and you could call them or email them. A lot of this is usually public information, and say, hey, I live local, and I'm an actor or an actress, and I would really love to get involved with the student projects. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I do that? Do they have a Facebook page? Do they have a, um, you know, some campuses, they'll have, you can go on campus and you can look at their, like, call sheet board um, in their theater department. So just make sure you're allowed to do that as a non-student. You could ask, is there a list serve, a a mailing list that you guys send out that I can watch for casting calls? That is a fantastic way to start if you're new to acting because what that does is that plugs you in with a community um, yes, it's typically free work, but hey, you gotta start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a lot of training, I mean, I, I think it's pretty fair that you know that is where we start. So anyway, so and also, if you don't have a lot of training, 
you also don't have to like worry about the pressure of a paid project and being embarrassed, right? So that's also a benefit. That's one way. Another way you could go is you can call local theaters, ask them, hey, I want to audition for plays. How do I do that? Bam. They'll tell you everything you got to do. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. And this is more pertaining to, to people 18 plus, I feel like. Um, right. Yeah. Okay. And also, too, I want to say, say that you've been a successful working actress. And uh, you know, yeah. I, and I, we talked about this before. Obviously, the dream is to to be a starring role in a motion picture that wins an Oscar. But yeah, the reality of the situation is a lot of times you can get paid um, for doing what you love um, in so many different ways in the acting business. There's background work where um, yeah. I, I remember when I did it, I called the specific hotline I think, and they would say, "Okay, we need you here today, or we need you there." And I did that for a few months, and I would just get paid for the day, like 120 bucks for the day or something like that. And, Nice. I'd mostly just sit around in the background of things, or I'd be on a contestant on a TV show. I'd be like in the background, like woo. <laughs> so, but it's right. Just, it's so a if you're, yeah, if you're out in LA, central casting um, is the way is a is, is is an avenue to take as an extra actor extra actor. So mm-hmm. you can sign up if you go on their website, central casting. Um, I mean, sometimes, like, if I'm new to a city, I'll literally just jump on Google and I'll type in casting agencies near me or um, talent agencies near me, you know, things like that. I mean, being an extra, I didn't have a lot of success out in L.A., but when I was in Virginia, I mean, the work, you know, was everywhere, but it's a smaller... Um, it's a smaller bubble and and again, it's not kind of what you were saying. It's not motion pictures. So we're doing a lot of industrials, local commercials, independent films. We're not doing net, you know, usually we're not doing Netflix or any of those, like what Atlanta in LA and New York and Chicago and places in Texas and things like that are offering. Right. Right. And the thing is too, is, um, you know, I, we talked about this before too, is it's similar to, to comedy in a lot of ways because, Everyone comes to LA or to New York to those central places, but it's good and it's bad because obviously um, you could attest to this. You get tougher skin being in LA because there's so many more people out yeah. here and it's cutthroat. But when you do get a spot, it's great. But you go to other places and sometimes yeah. it's good to build up the um, the portfolio, yeah, the I resume. Would. And, yeah, I really would, and I would hone in on your skills. Like I wouldn't jump the gun, and everybody has a different opinion. I mean, I would say the average timeline to get anything kind of like to feel like you've kind of made it a little bit and out out in LA I keep hearing is 10 years mm-hmm. and it's like whoa but really that is like kind of the reality of it right unless you come from somebody in the industry like a mom or a dad or relative or whatever that they have a name and they can you know you get to bypass all the lines but if you come out there like me who you know, nobody in my family is famous in the industry, then you're starting at the bottom. So I would suggest stay in the city closer to you. You don't have to go to L.A. immediately. And in fact, a lot of actors who I know that are kind of B-list actors, they say, let L.A. call you. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, wait until L.A. Somebody's like, hey, we got a project for you. We're going to pay to fly you out there and to put you in that project. If you do decide that you want to go to L.A. and it's on your heart, I'm going to suggest have savings. 
you I like I mean 10,000 is so little but can be a lot of money to some people I mean just go out there with savings Mm-hmm. Okay, because the rent is astronomical. <laughs> a lot of these, listen, a lot of these apartment complexes do not have built-in AC units, or if they do, they're like in the wall. It's not central AC is what I'm trying to say. I mean, LA has a lot of obstacles for somebody who doesn't have money, doesn't have community, is just running out there. I mean, you might find nights where you're sleeping in your car. Hello, I did. Mm-hmm. Have you ever slept in your car before, Anthony? No, I haven't done the car. Well, you know, maybe because oh, I was loaded or something. Oh, you were born and but... raised in LA, yeah. weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I definitely, um, I think that's one of the good things about, uh, I guess, about comedy is that you could do it at night. So you could still work during the day and then at nighttime you could do shows. But yeah. as an actress, you sort of have to do the extra work and stuff like that just to pay the bills, right? And well, and so here's the thing. I couldn't even get a job as an extra. So mm-hmm. then I didn't even have that. Mm-hmm. Then, let's now let's add on top of this. I was trying to be a waitress. Now, when I was out in Virginia or near D.C. area, super easy. I could be a waitress. I go out in L.A. Everybody wants to be a waitress. Especially actors there and actresses. Were, <laughs> I'm not even joking. There were waiting lists to be a waitress. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait to wait. What? So I, yeah, like a wait list. So I couldn't even like, so here's the funny thing. I was saying no to jobs in Virginia to be an extra. Like I was saying no, because I had the luxury of doing leading roles and, you know, other stuff and being paid. And I was like, I'm not going to do extra work anymore. I'm, I'm above it. Right, <laughs> I right. go to LA, I go to LA and I'm like, please, can I get a paid extra job? I mean, that's like, the worlds are so, it's night and day, night and day. Mm -hmm. So I really just advise people, I mean, if you go to LA, have a game plan, have savings, have money, have people you can talk to, Um, be ready for sacrifice, be ready for years of just crying, and I mean, I hate (laughs) to say it, but just. There's going to be nights where you are crying and you just feel like, what am I even doing? And I mean, if you want to take that on, God bless you. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of, you know, what you're going to, some people just hop in, they live in their cars, they find other people that live in cars and that's sort of their community. Some people uh, start small and work their way up. But the, the thing is that America's cinema is the cinema that everybody else in the world looks to. You know, if you're if you make right. it in America, you can make it anywhere in the world. Which is saying That's a lot. Right. So, you know, if you're um, you know, doing well I in Atlanta, think, doing well in Virginia, you're ahead of a lot yeah. of the world in that field. Absolutely. <laughs> and I just feel like where we're at with technology, like we actually don't have to be crying in our cars, sleeping in them at night. Like there's so many avenues Mm-hmm. To get your career off the ground, you could be a YouTuber. You you can do podcasts. You can do stand up. I mean, just don't lose yourself in it. Right. Right. Have have dignity. Have standards. Um, and that goes back to and, sort of and, what you were saying uh, before. Is you know you had your grounding. And, I have mine, but you got to keep that sort of integrity. Yeah. And I, that's kind of what I was yeah. saying too. Is acting will swallow you what up. What are you doing? You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. And here's the thing, like, I get, you know, some of the greatest 
I love reading up on some of our big A-list stars. And yeah, I mean, they, some of their stories and just the trials that they went through in order to get where they're at today. And I understand they got it, but I'm challenging the viewer, when you get to the top, did you have to sacrifice your values? And I'm not saying every A-lister did that, but I'm just saying, when you get to the top, did you, what did you sacrifice in order to get there? And was it worth it? Because it's fame and money, everything. Yeah, well, that's... And what is, what is fame and money? Well, I like, think, yeah, I think even uh, Tupac says it when he's like, uh, I made a bill today. And he's like, but you made it in a sleazy way. It's like, <laughs> you know, he's talking about, right? you know, how do you, how are you how earning you, that money? How And that's, that goes to everything. I think how do you want your fame? Yeah, exactly. What, how, how do you want to be remembered? What kind of projects? Why are you doing this? Are you just, these are just great questions just to think about, period. Exactly. That's right? Because right. yeah. I remember, mm-hmm. I, I Number before I used to be like, well, I just, I just want to, I just want to be like Jennifer Lawrence and I want to be in like a Hunger Games type film and get an Oscar. But if I'm miserable by the time I get to that point, which by the way, if I ever get to that point, (laughs) (laughs) but like if I'm miserable by the time I, and I'm not saying Jennifer Lawrence is miserable in any way, shape or form, by the way, this is just, that was my dream. But on my way up to that dream, if I'm miserable by the time I get to that point, because I've you know, done X, Y, Z to get there. Was it worth it? What does that mean? I think I can still get the Jennifer Lawrence type role in the Hunger Games type film and still have dignity, respect, and be happy. It might take me longer. It might take me shorter. I might say yes or no to certain things. But that's what I really challenge with actors because, you know, emotional pull and what it does to you in the long run I mean, you're just, well, I talk you know, to... we talk about it. We talk about addiction being a coping mechanism. You don't want to go there. You want to learn to self-cope in more healthy ways, right? Absolutely. And uh, one thing I was going to say is I know what you're talking about because, uh, like I said, everything you're talking about is amplified because in, in acting world, it's obviously a lot more cutthroat and a lot more um, leeches and social uh, psychic vampires and that sort of stuff in there. But I always tell my friends, yeah. too, I'm like, if you want to work and you want to, you know, retire and that's your life, then fuck yeah, cool. I was like, but you're, like- but you're going to work and you're coming home pissed off. And I was like, that's six days out of the week, five days out of the week. And I was like, and you're miserable for that time. I was like, that's the majority of your life. You know, and I was like, you got to have that positive, like, even if your work can, and it sounds like you've done that, where you're at a place where you're working and now you're you're teaching and you're happy with what you're doing, and you're still doing something yes. that you love, right? And that's sort of what and I... And I still do... Yeah, I'm making... I, I, I've made an acting uh, class. If anybody would like to check it out, it's on my website, um, BernadetteSayer.com slash courses. It's sp- called the map. Spell- it's called the... You want to spell, spell that out real quick? Cause just so... Yeah, absolutely. So that's www.berna. D E P T E S A Y R E um, dot com slash courses. And on there, it's called the Actors Toolkit Masterclass. So, in it, um, the, the class is really tailored for people who I would say are more beginners and just starting out or maybe intermediate. And it helps actors figure out how to present yourself like a professional actor with literally 
let's say you have no idea, because I did this with Anthony, let's say you have no idea how to format a properly uh, professional-looking actor resume. There is a difference between an actor's resume and, say, like a waitress resume or something else, right? So mm -hmm. I give that to you for free. That's added in there. And, you, and I go over every little detail, like everything of, um, you know, why do we list it, uh, the film credits, why they're listed in three columns, the theater credits, why we don't list commercial credits, and, you know, just how I've heard it from a casting director. Like, I just give fun industry tips and tricks. I also go over headshots. And listen, I always say, start with what you have, right? So when I was helping Anthony with his resume, he ended up finding, whoa, I have all this stuff I can put on my resume. You'll be surprised. You've got more stuff than you think. So I help people think outside the box, how they can present themselves, how we can start with resources today free, right? Not to where you're not running out and you're buying headshots for... I mean, there's different categories, but, you know, some people will say, I'm going to do the $300 package. Make sure you want to be an actor before you put down the money. Right. Because it is an investment. And I've put money into, so this, and I put money into shitty headshots. I put money into shitty yeah. uh, acting coaches. So it's, and people are out there to screw you, especially in this business. Like, yes. it's, people are out there to fuck you left Absolutely. and right. So it's good to have a guide of someone that's been there. Uh, and pulled out with a with a good head on her shoulders and still continuing her yeah. her journey in it. So, and, mm -hmm. and I talk about that too. So I give you credible websites. Um, they're called acting engines or acting casting websites. Um, so, for instance, acting act, act <laughs> actors access uh, backstage. Um, you know those two I really love. I talk about. Dragon UK Connect, that's a free one on the East Coast. So I share those, um, the ones that I'm more familiar with, and then some that I've heard are credible. And talking about be careful and don't fall into that trap because they're like what Anthony's saying, there's a lot of traps out there where they'll do these cattle calls. Yeah, and um, as there. a newbie, <laughs> I've been to one. Yeah, I've been to a few. I've been to a few. I didn't sign the papers or spend the money, but I've been there too, where I got sucked into the cattle call. And if an agent tells you, this is a great tip, if an agent tells you that you have to pay them up front or anything like that, red flag X no out. Okay? Mm -hmm. An agent will take some kind of a percentage of your, or would it be commission, of yeah. your... Um, mm -hmm. Of your paycheck, right? Anywhere right. between, I would say between 10 to 20%, depending on the agent, depending if you're union, non-union, you know, little things like that. And they don't, you don't pay them anything up front. It's, if they book you a job, say you work on a job that's a couple hundred, let's say your agent takes 10%, they take 10% of the cut. That's it. You don't pay them anything. So there will be a lot of scammers out there that will tell you, you got to pay me up front. Or... They'll want you to go through their headshot photographer, and they're getting a cut. I mean, just you just gotta be careful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I always say, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. What do you always say? <laughs> well, I was gonna say like if you're first starting out so, and you don't know, you're like, I think I love, like I've had this love for acting, but I haven't really done it that much. That's what my class was focused on. Do the headshots yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And I show you in the class how to do a headshot with a cell phone. Mm-hmm. I started out just with photos of myself. I didn't do a professional headshot photographer. That was my next step. Then I did a photographer that was about 100 bucks. They're beautiful. They got me tons of work. You don't have to be doing these three $500 photo shoots. I mean, and those are, I think those are probably maybe more New York or higher end photographer prices. But I mean, again, like if you, there's so many pe- friends that I'm sure you have that have a nice camera and you could say, here, I'll throw you 50, 100 bucks or whatever. We take some, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, there is a difference between a headshot and other styles. So you do want to follow the format of a headshot. But literally, Google is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to teach my students. Jump on Google, type in actor headshots. Follow some of your favorite actors and see what they do. That's what I'm trying to teach my students. I'm trying to get them in the mindset of self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. And then uh, before we go, uh, Bernadette, I wanted to ask, uh, just as a quick little, uh, was there somebody that you met in Hollywood that you really liked? And was there somebody that you <laughs> met that you didn't like? Some little celebrity gossip for us before we go. <laughs> oh, I don't feel comfortable. There was one. I want you to I shit on like somebody a... now, Bernadette. No. <laughs> no, I can't do it because, oh my gosh, I can't do it. But I will tell you somebody that I have met, but it was in Richmond, Virginia, or in that near that area. Okay. So I met, I met, I kind of like spoke, you know, to a few people. I met Jenna Fisher in L.A., Mm-hmm. And I spoke to her briefly, um, love her book, by the way. Um, gosh, I forget what it's called, but if you guys want to look it up, it's the one that she wrote for actors. I think it's called the actors guidebook or something. Um, but I, I met her because I was babysitting for a little girl and her and Jenna Fisher's daughter went to the same school. How cool is that? Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, um, yeah. so, and then when I was in Virginia, um, I met Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. I met Harry Potter, y'all. Yes. So if you're a Harry Potter fan, woo! Ravenclaw, baby. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I want to say about Daniel. Uh-huh. So I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I've seen Lord of the Rings, and I've seen... Chronicles of Narnia, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I never really, truly, fully got into the Harry Potter series. Sorry, <gasps> listeners. Oh, sorry. I saw like bits, <laughs> I saw bits and pieces. Uh-huh. I saw bits and pieces here and there, right? Like maybe one movie here this year, blah blah blah. So when he was, in, it was called Imperium. It shot out. It, it shot in Virginia, mm-hmm. and one of my good friends was in it, Alex Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out and Jeff Goins, another shout out. So I went to their rap party and Alex brought me as a plus one uh-huh. and he was there and he was playing cornhole and you know, I wanted to say hi, but again, I wasn't like a huge Harry Potter fan, but at the same time, it's Daniel Radcliffe. Like, come on. He's yeah. huge. Uh-huh. So me and Alex end up playing the game cornhole against him and another uh, I believe it was a boy, another boy. And they won. And afterwards, him and I, we shook hands and I introduced myself. And so here's the thing. We spoke for a very brief moment. It was not a long conversation, like maybe under five minutes or so. But in those few moments, 
I became such a huge Daniel Rag. I can't even say his name now. Daniel Radcliffe fan because he made me feel so special. It was like in that moment he he was fully present, fully attentive, just just there. You know, mm-hmm. there was no gimmicks. I didn't ask him for a photo. It was just person to person, and he just made me feel seen. And when he walked away, I was like, I've never seen Harry Potter, like, <sighs> not the whole thing, but I love Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's awesome. When he wanted... And, you know, there's some... So, yeah. Sure. No, go ahead. There's just, some... there's just something to be said when you're just genuine, and you're just kind to people. And, again, we spoke for, like, a few moments. But I, like, look at the way I'm praising him. Right. When he won at Cornhole, yeah. was he like, Gryffindor, bitches, and then he walked away? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That would be great. That would have been awesome. Well, um... But, yeah, that's a very cool moment for me, but, yeah. So, we could find you, uh, I, I, like I said, uh, I was going to ask you to, to send me uh, maybe a clip or something like that. That way I could post it. And yeah. then I'll, I'll drop the podcast later on today. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Bernadette. It was great talking to you. I'm glad you thank could share your you. story with us. Um, it was great talking to you. And let me tell you, I was nervous, but Anthony just made me feel so comfortable and reassured that, you know, we were going to have a good time. And I was like, okay, we're going to have a good time. Well, I love that. I love that. Great. Yeah, I love that you have a, um, you know, an interesting story and, um, you know, I'm glad that you were able to tell it and I'm glad that you got to tell you. tell your story because we all have a Thank story you. and I think it's important for us all to get it out there. So I'm glad I got to do yes. that for you and I'm glad you got to come on and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Yes, sir. Okay, Brian. Same here. I love you. Uh, love you too. Take care. Stay safe and I'll give you a call a little bit after this, okay? Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. As we go on. All right, guys. So that was uh, Bernadette Sayer. Again, she spit all the info. Um, I just want to thank her again for coming on. thought it was a great podcast. We, we talked for a good amount of time. And I hope you guys are safe and enjoyed it. Hit me up for any questions or comments. And I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Peace.